Hey everybody, welcome back to Behind the Net Podcast. Uh, this is the sh- show where we reminisce over Daft Punk and get sad that they're no longer a thing. <laughs> oh man, I and was yes. so sad. I was actually so sad when they uh, split up. Me too, man. And I, that's what I've been doing ever since, just listening to their music. Like, please, farewell album. I just want it. That's all I need. Classics. Honestly, I was I was listening to their, uh, their hits uh, again as well. Um, yeah, just... Any Daft Punk fans out there, uh, definitely uh, share your thoughts on it. But uh, yeah, like Daft Punk has been so, uh, honestly, so big, uh, especially recently. Like I know recently they uh, their last uh, big work was with The Weeknd, who I, I love The Weeknd. And uh, that was a, a big number one hit for them. Uh, um, and they really propelled them back into the mainstream. And then obviously, even before that, um, they just have so many hits. Yeah, they've, they've definitely shaped my musical uh, interest. They're a band that's always going to be uh, one that I'll listen to for as long as I live. And uh, I, I have to say, um, I was going to point out to, list, to the listeners out there, if you haven't listened to it yet, listen to Alive 2007 in its entirety. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably the best cul- like culmination of all their work since uh, Random Access Memories. It's uh, It's amazing. There you go. There's our music recommendation for the week. And if you can't watch the, uh, uh, the the video of the concert too, it's, it's great. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, but yeah. So as you said, this is uh, what episode I think sixty one overall of the Behind the Net podcast, uh, or the eleventh episode of uh, season two. Um, as always, it's uh, your two hosts, Michael and Matthew, and uh, yeah, we're here to talk uh, about sports. And honestly, this week is it will probably be a little more straight to the point. We have uh, some cool things planned we're going to talk uh mid-season awards and uh things like that um but michael how's your week going it's been filled with work and uh school actually just wrapped up for me uh earlier this week and it was it was it was a great time uh program's been fun but uh the reality is that uh, i'm still looking for my internship <laughs> but It'll no come, one's hiring i know it's just it's a it's a hard time right now just in general and then obviously for internships like I can't even imagine right now of the you know, especially in sports right now, like everyone's just scrambling to just have job opportunities in the first place. And then let's be real, like interns are unfortunately, you know, kinda in the background, right? <laughs> like mm-hmm. one of the last thoughts. So um yeah, it'll come though. I-, I know it will. And I'm glad you were able to do yours when you did because I know that you had an internship started just before the pandemic uh overtook everyone's lives and then it got put on pause for months and months before you're able to finish it Mm -hmm. yeah uh it's it's just been a crazy time so uh yeah just keep your eyes peeled but yeah um i'm I'm glad school's wrapping up for you yeah how about how about you um no pretty much the same just been uh just been chilling working you know uh just doing just doing the same old same old you know uh the weather's been getting a lot better a lot better so uh yeah, I think that's that's just put everyone in a much better mood. Absolutely, yeah. Well, that's until the snowstorm that's coming soon. Oh, don't say that, man. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want that. We don't want that. We're only only positive vibes here. <laughs> <laughs> this is the uh, feel good podcast now. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um. But yeah. Uh. Sorry. Sorry to kind of uh, uh, mess up the positive vibe here, but we're about to. We're gonna let's talk some Leafs. Um, and they kind of have been shaky as of late. 
Um, so there's a there's a little bummer there. Um, but let's talk. So let's talk about the Leafs. Let's just get right into it uh, because we have a lot to talk about uh, this week. Um, so we're recording this currently on Friday night. The the Leafs played last night and they actually they defeated the Winnipeg Jets in overtime. Um, but Michael, per, before that, they uh, they lost how many games? Three games in a row. Yeah, three yeah. straight. So two to the Canucks and then one uh, to the to the Jets. And yeah, like even even last night's game, obviously it didn't start out the way they wanted it to. And uh, just did you see any concern for the Leafs this last stretch of, you know, four games? I want to say yes and no. And uh, yes, because at the end of the day, they were still getting all their chances. They were looking pretty good for the most part. Uh, the exception being, of course, the game on uh, this the first game against Vancouver because I was on the second half of a back-to-back. And I think it was pretty apparent that they were exhausted, tired, not fully up to speed. And I, and I Vancouver was able to take full advantage. But uh, on Saturday and on Tuesday, the Leafs played just about as well as you'd expect any team would. They just got uh, run into by a, diff- a really good goalie, and uh, all those uh, all those mistakes that they made, like pretty egregious mistakes, were easily capitalized by uh, the respective opponents. That's essentially how I would describe their recent stretch of games. It's uh, obviously a little disheartening. It's not overly concerning because every team goes through rough patches, but uh, you know, the game on Saturday probably should have been a Leafs win. The game on Tuesday definitely should have been a Leafs win. So when they were struggling to put pucks in the net on Thursday, I was worried that it was going to be four straight games of essentially getting goalied. But uh, luckily, that did not prove to be the case, and they got a big one, and they needed that one badly. Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm with you there. Um, how I saw, I, I didn't see any real concern for the for the team. More so because of the fact that you know every team has to come de- back down to earth eventually um the leafs played amazingly all season and especially like right before this uh little slump here um they absolutely dominated the uh, edmonton oilers like absolutely ragdolled them um in a three game <laughs> series um and i was you know i think me like everyone else I, I literally at the end of that series like you know the leafs were on top of the world um yeah, you shut down the the best player in the game, um, and I think everyone was just shocked the very next game to lose to Vancouver, give up three goals, and not be able to you know uh, generate that much offense. And then, but you know, like I said, every team has a loss. But then when they lost to Vancouver twice, um, it wasn't really concern. I think it was just the only concern was the fact that they weren't able to uh, generate you know, offense like they're used to. And like you said, it is, uh, they got, they got out goalied. It really was that. Um, so, you know, I didn't see any real concern. Like you said, Tuesday's game should have been a, uh, should have been a win against Winnipeg. And that was kind of unfortunate, but you know, you move on and I'm just glad that they did get a win yesterday and they face the jets once more tomorrow. And I know they're, trying to get that win and they're definitely going to try to get back uh get back on top of the on top of the world pretty much absolutely yeah and that's what i think the big takeaway is is that uh, while teams do go through uh, slumps uh through uh hard stretches uh the good teams find a way to get out of it and get out of it quickly and 
find su sustained success afterwards. And I think that's what the Leafs were able to do on Thursday. They played pretty much a perfect game, but Connor Hellebuck stood on his head the entire night. And it's not just that he faced uh, like 50 shots in a game. He faced at least 30 quality scoring chances, and he was only able to he was able to stop all but four of them. That should tell you just how dangerous the Jets are when Connor Hellebuck's on his A game. If he's playing exceptional, that Jets team is a tough one, it's a tough outing. And this Leafs team is much more skilled. I think they should win more often than not. But uh, yeah, it's uh, pretty apparent that uh, this the Jets are not going to be an easy outing. Connor Hellebuck is one of the league's best goalies, honestly. And I wouldn't, I don't even know if you you would call him underrated. I don't think he's underrated. I think he's been. Uh, rated properly uh, as uh, of the last couple seasons, you know, as in I've seen a lot of praise for him as praises do. So all I'm saying is, you know, you don't don't underrate him <laughs> because, um, yeah, uh, I'm not even surprised that he, he played great this series so far. Think of it this way. He's just fresh off a Vesna trophy last year, mm -hmm. and he still could probably uh be the best goalie in the league for many more years. I, I think it's a very possible, very strong possibility. Him and uh, Vasilevsky are two of the best in the game right now. And uh, as long as he can stay healthy, the Jets always have a chance. Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, but yeah, uh, I think right now, if anything, is it's the Leafs, if anything, are going to face a big test right now because, like you said, the good teams are able to get out of slumps and find that consistency even after, you know, slumping. And the Leafs have to now, like, they were able to get the win, to, to, to survive and get the win last night. Now we really see if they could take their biggest slump of the season and actually turn it around again and find consistency. Or, um, like you said, and be a good team, or if, you know, they, they still struggle. So we're going to, I feel like it, it is a big kind of a test almost to see uh, if, the, if the Leafs are on that level. Absolutely. And here's the thing, too. They they play uh, Saturday and Sunday night back-to-back, -back, but then they get a nice long break. Uh, of, uh, I think it's, what, four days between uh, the game on Sunday and their next game on Friday night. So plenty of rest opportunities for this Leafs team. I think if they're going to go all-in, this is probably the weekend to do it. Just try and use as much energy as possible because you know you're going to get a breather. Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. Um, so, yeah, I mean, is with that, like... I think that's the biggest thing, uh, the biggest topic for the Leafs. Um, they have been just outright tearing it up other than this slump that we just talked about. And, uh, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it soon. Uh, probably he's going to get brought up in the next uh, segment we have here. But, you know, Austin Matthews, both Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner have been just tearing it up this season. Oh, yeah. And Austin Matthews played uh, pretty well last night. Uh, actually, I think Mitch Marner had the better game. Mm -hmm. uh, but Matthews came through when it mattered the most, his wrist seemed to be perfectly fine. If he was able to do that. Uh, <laughs> that and was, yeah, no, it's, it's, can I just say that was an amazing goal? Like, I mean, obviously an overtime just ups the stakes um, already, but oh my gosh, just the way he, you know, just the deke and the, uh, the shot, it was just like so nice. You know, what's crazy Maybe. to me. It's smashed and Matthews is so good. And it's been it's so talented that I'm almost not even surprised anymore mm -hmm. that he's able to do stuff like that. Like I I kind of expected at this point that he's able to do something amazing each and every single night. You just never know which which one you're gonna get, and mm -hmm. that's I think 
I love about Austin Matthews. He's I'm, clearly the best player of our generation. I'm going to ask you this uh, question that will kind of lead into our next segment. Uh, but where would you rank, I guess going off this season at least, where would you rank Austin Matthews in, you know, the top players? Like, is he, at least this season, is he, you know, top five, top three, top two, even top one? Like, what do you think? I think... At the very least, he's a top three player. Mm. He's uh, Connor McDavid and possibly Leon Dreisaitl or uh, Nathan McKinnon are on upper level than him. But here's the thing, though. Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid are probably two of the best players in the game right now. Nathan McKinnon is definitely a worthy opponent. So for Austin Matthews, probably to finish three or fourth, that's uh, nothing to slouch at. That's very good. Uh, it's a very good thing for uh, a lead player to be in. Even though he's not the best player in the world, that's he's one of the best players in the world, and he's so close. Yeah, I mean, like, like I would put him third or fourth exactly. I would Leon Dreisaitl, like, oh, he's like the interesting case because you know I would put him second or right there with Nathan McKinnon. I feel like, um, you know, people, you know, we feel like just you know him and McDavid. He's obviously not as flashy as McDavid. He's able to put up points like McDavid, though. And because they're on the same team, maybe his, uh, I think his praise gets a little uh, underrated at times. Uh, but but like like I said, like he deserves all the credit he gets, and he's right up there. Austin Matthews, for him to be in that even top four is just amazing because I remember just a few years ago, I thought, you know, if he cracks the top 10 and the Leafs have a top 10 player, like that alone is like, huge like even back when Matt Sundin was there like you know you we couldn't even call him a top three player at times you know like that's that's a the upper echelon of like the, the league right mm-hmm. um and like that's just that's just amazing himself but the top four top four is something to be you know happy about if you're Austin Matthews that's that's still crazy good absolutely and you know what's crazy to me too you could probably argue that Mitch Marner is also a top 10 player. Mm. Probably He'd probably finish at the number 10 spot, but he's probably in that conversation too. Like the Leafs have two of the best players in the in the world right now. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. This like, season, who yeah. could have ever foreseen that? Mm-hmm. Great drafting. Great drafting. And uh, had, to, had to put up with the uh, rebuilding years for sure. But uh, I think that leads... I mean, rankings could be another episode, but this episode, uh, we wanted to talk about um the 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 awards basically we wanted to kind of do a little behind the net podcast mid-season awards um we're gonna do for the nhl awards and then later on we'll do the nba awards as well but let's start it right where actually let's save it for last let's what do you want to do do you want to do the heart first or do you want to do the heart last uh let's save the heart for the for last because i think that's uh, a big question right now Mm -hmm. okay so uh let's just let's start with uh the norris trophy which is for the best defenseman. That's a tough one. Uh, it could really go either way. But the thing is about the Norris Trophy, at least in the last couple of years, the awards typically goes to the defenseman that has the best offensive season, which mm. isn't kind of really what it should be awarded to in my eyes. But whatever, that's if that's what the uh, the award uh, vote the voters think is uh, more important, then uh, by all means. If I'm not mistaken, the the current leader in points for defenseman is Nate is Quinn Hughes, and Quinn Hughes is uh, 
or actually no, it's Victor Hedman with mm-hmm. twenty five. I think uh, it's going to come down to which uh, it's it's going to come down to Hedman and Quinn Hughes in my eyes because those those two players are the two best offensive defensemen in the game right now. I could probably see Hedman winning it, but if I were a betting man, I think Quinn Hughes is going to win this award this year. And that's oh, yeah. crazy because he's so young. Let me see how how young he is. I think he's what not even 21, 22? He's 21, Yeah. And shout out exactly. uh, shout out Jeff Petrie as well. He's uh in the top three uh with twenty four points as well. Uh in terms oh, yeah. of defensemen with uh defense defenseman points. That's crazy to me. Imagine if he was on the Oilers. <laughs> oh yeah. But um yeah, so who is your who is your choice? You said would you it's either Hedman or Hughes? For you but i yeah it's it's between those two in my eyes though i think it's going to be quinn hughes quinn hughes i'm going to go the opposite way i'm going to say hey, victor hedman i think i think he'll be the one to, to to win he's on pace for what like just about 20 20 goals right now um that's that's good um and i think obviously we already know he's a he's a you know probably the best defenseman in the league for the last few years and mm-hmm. um just putting up another superstar stellar season. Um, I don't think he, I think if he plays this way, like yeah, I, I'm with you with Quinn Hughes, but I think it would be Victor Hedman's to take home. A, um, it's it's kind of tough for a, you know, a young defenseman to take it home over someone again, uh, someone like Victor Hedman, you know? <laughs> um, but I also want to shout out even Drew Doughty. Drew Doughty's putting up a great season. I think, I really think he'll possibly even be a finalist this season. Oh, yeah. And here's the thing, too. Uh, shout out to Morgan Riley. He's somehow in the conversation, not far off from uh, first place in the points by defenseman, even though a lot of his points are assists. I think some of them are secondary assists, but I mean, still, still, still good. Still good. Mm-hmm. It's close for sure. So uh, that's that's that. So uh, next we will do the Calder Trophy, which is for Rookie of the Year. Who do you have for that? that I think it's. There's only. Two, two choices for mm-hmm. me. And I th- I'm not sure how you feel about this. Uh, obviously, Kirill Kaprizov is uh, in the conversation for the Calder. But I think the other one has to be Kevin Lankinen, the Chicago Blackhawks' new starting goalie. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you recall, before the season, uh, I think it was Malcolm Subban was going to be their starter. And people were a little skeptical of uh, whether or not Chicago would even have success. Everyone was expecting this to be a rebuilding year for them. But look at them. They're now in the playoff conversation. They're, I think, what, second or third in their division? Something along those lines. And it has ever, a lot to do with how well Kevin Lankinen is playing. Like, that that guy has been unreal this year. Unreal. And I have him on two of my fantasy teams, so I, I know <laughs> how good he's been playing. But yeah, no, Kevin Lankinen, I think, would be my pick just because of just how and how much he's been contributing to Chicago's success. But I'm not discrediting uh, Kirill Kaprizov because he's been unreal this year too. For me, yeah, it's it's really tough uh, because I have it like I think I would say the conversation is almost to three guys mainly because two of the same two of the guys are on the same team. Kirill Kaprizov and uh, Kapo Kakinen are both on the Minnesota Wild, and looking at the oh, yeah. Wild, um, they are in playoff contention right now, and uh, they are a team that was. No offense, but the last few seasons, you know, their um, their outlook as a team was was very questionable. 
you know, like um, just their their ability to contend. And when you introduce not one but two rookies uh, and Kaprizov, especially, he's nearing nearly a point per game um, as a rookie. That's that's in itself is is great. Um, it, it's 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 huge. And like you said, Lankin and I feel like Lankin could actually win it because when you look at a rookie goaltender playing that good, and also like you said, taking a team to the uh, to playoff contention, I think that holds a bit more weight. Um, so I'm gonna pick I'm gonna pick Lankin as well. But honestly, I think it could be Kaprizov's to win as well. But yeah, like I said, I think when you take a, I think it's easier to measure a starting goaltender's um kind of ability to, to kind of or, or impact on a team to take them to the playoffs rather mm-hmm. than just one forward you know so i think when you look at it that way it's kind of it's kind of comparing apples to oranges it's it's not it's not the it's not the straightest line to to compare them but i think lankin has a has a little edge on that right now he would be the first goaltender to uh to win the calder by the way since uh steve mason and that was in 2009 Oh, yeah. yeah. I think you make a great point about uh, Kapokakinen, too. He's been excellent for the Minnesota Wild. I remember uh, going into the season, they signed Cam Talbot with the accept- with the expectation that he could be the starter and be an underrated starter at that. But, uh, yeah, Kakinen has played uh, exceptionally well this season. Uh, stolen the starting starting role from Minnesota, and he's run with it uh, extremely well. Uh, you know, it's crazy to me that two of the three goalies uh, in, that we've been talking about are from Finland. Mm-hmm. So clearly, if you want to draft an, a starting goalie, go to fin- look for, for someone in Finland. Mm-hmm. Shout out Finland, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, yeah, I think that one's really going to be a really cr- close race, to be honest. Um, it's actually insane too. You know, yeah. it's actually funny. If you look at their uh, Lankinen and uh, Kakinen's like uh, height and weight, they are they have the exact same height, six foot two, and their weight is uh, the exact same. Is it thirty pounds? A thirty pound difference. Thirty pound difference. Wow. And they're one. They're they're one year apart. They're born one year apart. Wow. But yeah, Minnesota's got something special going on there. So that's good. Um, We'll go with. uh, Let's go to the Vesna. Let's talk about the Vesna. Um, I'll go first. I think this one also is going to be kind of, kind of close. Um, for me, I think it's between two, um, mm-hmm. two, two goalies really. Either Mark Andre Fleury or Andre Vasilevsky. I think Mark Andre Fleury has been playing amazing. Both teams, Vegas and Tampa Bay, are literally among the the league's best right now. So you can't even argue their impact on their teams. Um, when you have superstar goaltenders in net, um, you're going to be a great, a great team. Um, I'm going to give the edge to Vasilevsky, though. I mm-hmm. think, I think, I think he has been very consistent. And I don't know, it's it is possible that you know, Tampa Bay is Tampa Bay. Um, just the, how they play as a unit um, kind of outlines his play a lot more. But Mark Andre Fleury has been playing so well, um, so so well. Especially after uh, last season, there was the the, the big, uh, you know, questionable uh, stuff around who's going to start for Vegas. Uh, also with uh, Robin Leonard there, um, but Mark Andre Fleury's been playing amazingly. So I think it's between those two. But I'm going to go with Vasilevsky with the edge for now. 
I agree with you. Vasilevsky is probably the favorite to win the uh, Vesna Trophy this year. And uh, Marc-Andre Fleury has been playing really well, in spite of the fact that last season there was rumblings that he probably is on his way out because of uh, the arrival of Robin Leonard. But uh, Leonard's been out quite a bit with injuries, and uh, Flores has uh, had to play a lot more, and he's played a lot better. And I think uh, that's a that's a great sign for Vegas's uh, f- long term future. Uh, but don't forget about Connor Hellebuck, as we mentioned uh, earlier in the in the in the show. He is uh, the reason why the Winnipeg Jets are where they are right now. Mm-hmm. And I th- I wonder if they. Uh, account for just how important that goalie was to their respective team. Because while Andre Vasilevsky is absolutely amazing, for sure one of the best goalies in the league, the team in front of him is uh, is, a, is incredible too. The team in front of uh, Va- Hellebuck, there are some decent players, but it does not compare to Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. So the fact that uh, Hellebuck is playing the way that he's had, despite what's in front of him, versus Vasilevsky playing amazing due to part, partly due to the team in front of him, I think they might give the edge to Hellebuck. So I think uh, that's my pick. Nice. Okay. Okay. So uh, there, there you have those ones. Uh, you want to do the Selkie? I want to know who you have. For yeah. The, uh, the Selkie. Selkie is a tough one. It is a tough one. But I think uh, the player that probably fit the description best for like a great two-way player is Mark Stone. Mm-hmm. absolutely amazing player one of the best uh, defensive forwards in the game right now it's a shame that uh, he's no longer on the senators because we get to see him a lot more often but uh he's playing exceptionally well in uh, vegas i think he's the captain he's of the captain. golden knights he is their captain their first captain yep absolutely there you go so a worthy captain for them he's he's been the, one of the best defensive players uh since his arrival he's uh he's He's clearly my pick for the Selkie, and that's a huge honor to him. Like He's one of the most underrated players in the game right now because I think it's just his play style is a lot different from from some of the other superstars in this game, but he's just as talented as those other guys. He is. You put it perfectly. He's my choice for the Selkie as well. Um, and like you said, super underrated, Like especially recently. I found myself <clears throat> watching a lot of his highlights, mainly because... I see a lot of discussion online about um, where he kind of ranks in this season. Like like we were kind of do our, doing our rankings. He definitely has been playing like a top five player this season. And no doubt um, he's a huge reason why Vegas is in the spot that they're in right now. And like you said, underrated. Let's look at other, uh, if you look at other Selkie, you know, winners of the past list, like Patrice Bergeron. Patrice Bergeron is one of the best players in the game. Um, often underrated because... I feel like when you talk about the flashy superstar players, he is a, a superstar player. It's just he doesn't get often talked about in the same light as a lot of the other players, you know? And I think Mark Stone mm-hmm. has that same kind of underratedness because, uh, like you said, their play style is obviously different, a lot more defensive, uh, defensively minded. And often when the, I think in any sport, uh, obviously defense kind of gets more underrated than offense. Absolutely, yeah. And to consider for the fact that he has 28 points while playing, uh, having to play, playing, being one of the best defensive uh, f- f- forwards in the game. Oh, like, yeah. I think that accounts for it as well. So when you put everything together, I think it's uh, Mark Stone's trophy to lose, though I still think uh, Bergeron 
and potentially Sean Couturier and Ryan O'Reilly are going to pose a legitimate threat. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Um, and then finally, we got we we circle back to the Hart Trophy, the uh, most valuable player in the NHL this season. Um, I want to talk about first. Uh, give me your answer, and then we'll we'll talk a little more about it. Okay, I when we talk about the uh, the Hart Trophy, it goes to the most valuable player to a team, and that's just because their impact is so important to the team's overall success. So when you consider the team that he plays for, considering the start, the players around him, and uh, just where that team would be if he was not on the roster, I still think Connor McDavid is going to win the Hart Trophy. Although, although it's very possible that Leon Dreisel wins it as well because he's the reigning uh, Hart winner. So you could fr- literally pick between one of the two Oilers players because without one or both of them. The Oilers are probably in dead last. They are the a package division. deal. They are a package. For sure. Um, so are you going with either one, or are you picking McDavid over Dreisaitl? I'm going to lead towards McDavid just because he already has 50 points. Yeah. And he just got 50 points now. I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with you there, Connor McDavid, um, 100%. And like you said, it's the most... The, the player who is most valuable to the team, but also... Let's not, you know, dismiss the fact that it is also, you know, tends to be the best player or who has performed the best all season. And uh, for the most part, like last season, Leon Dreisaitl obviously won it. Um, He also had the most points in the league. Um, Connor McDavid uh, this season has been had the slighter edge over Leon Dreisaitl. I don't think it matters to them because in the end they are a duo that gets wins for the Edmonton Oilers, and they're actually having a good season this season. So uh, playoffs coming again, most likely. Um, So yeah, I think we have the same choice there, but I wanted to talk a little bit more about the other choices there. So we know Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl sit at the top. I think it really narrows down to maybe probably just two other players in that conversation. Um, I was going to say Patrick Kane and Austin Matthews. And I want to say, I want to ask you, how big is the gap between Connor McDavid and then Leon Dreisaitl and then Kane and Matthews? Well, the the gap between uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl isn't that big. Remember, mm-hmm. Leon Dreisaitl is, uh, what is it, seven points behind uh, Connor McDavid right now in terms of scoring because Dreisaitl did get a point in this game. So it's only like a six or seven point difference. So if I'm not mistaken, um, Austin Matthews, there's a bit of a, there's a, there's a bit of a bigger gap, but it's not as big. It's not, it's not as big as people would like to think it is because, oh, it's the Leafs. Uh, who cares? They're not as good <laughs> as uh, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. Fair, but they're also... Matthews is definitely in that conversation because uh, his play seems to be... Uh, he just always seems to step up his game each mm-hmm. and every time. And he's currently leading the league in goals. So there's that. Um, but yeah, the, then the gap between um, <clears throat> Matthews and Kane... I think it also wasn't that big just because Kane remains a, a, a lethal force. And he's also one of the reasons why uh, the, the Blackhawks are where they are right now. Because also you have to remember they're without Jonathan Taves. Mm-hmm. So Kane stepping up his game uh, in the absence of the captain is big. So Kat Lankinen combined with Kane's play is where they are right now. I think it's still McDavid's trophy to win, but Matthews, Kane, and Drysaddle also deserve recognition. 
And you know what? Shout out to Mitch Marner. Mitch Marner is also is also in the area, but I I think he's like a dark horse at this point. Mm-hmm. I'm with you there. Yeah, I think McDavid and Drysdale are kind of in the tier one, and then there's a little bit of gap. I think Matthews and Kane are very close, and you got to look at like kind of look at both ways in 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 terms of the fact that um, Matthews is obviously boosted a lot more because he is running away with the uh, goal goal scoring race this year. He's shown a lot of improvement. Patrick Kane has been playing so hot lately. Like, what what's he at right now? Forty points. He's jumped up to forty points. That's only two behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leon Dreisaitl so in terms of the point scoring race he's picking it up and you got to look at what's around him like you said John Taves is not there Blackhawks were a declining team kind of being carried by Patrick Kane uh, offensively there and he's mm-hmm. older and he still has a um, he still has in him and he's literally lighting it up with uh, you look at all these other names and these guys are early 20s <laughs> in their early 20s right Patrick Kane is just playing unreal so I think him and Austin Matthews are kind of, and Austin Matthews, of course, like the Leafs are better built, has has a better team built around Austin Matthews at the same time as mm-hmm. well. So when you take a look in kind of all the factors, I like to put Matthews and Kane kind of in that same. Very, very, it's very close for them. But either way, I think there's that little gap um, that it's McDavid or Drysdale, but mainly McDavid's uh, to win this season. Absolutely. I totally agree. It's going to be a fun road race to watch the rest of the way. It's the MVP. Uh, but yeah, if all stays uh, on track as it has been right now, we can uh, safely predict that Connor McDavid will win the uh, MVP award. Mm-hmm. Just want to pause the conversation to remind you guys that our podcast has a Twitter page. If you want to keep track of the latest episodes, want to send in your questions, or just want to hang out, that's the place for you. It's at Behind the Net Pod. That's B E H I N D T H E N E T Pod. Hope to see you there. Now, back to the show. All right. Um. So now let's talk about some basketball. Uh, not a lot happened this week. It, it was the uh, NBA All Star Weekend. Um. Just last weekend. So mm-hmm. we didn't really have regular season NBA games for the most part of the week. Um. The Raptors just returned. Um, they played here. They played last night against the Hawks, and they did not. Um, they did not play up to par as we thought they would against the Hawks. Um, but it was a close game. They lost by one. It was an unfortunate loss. But mm-hmm. uh, like going with the Raptors talks, do you think they're looking shaky right now? Of course, they they're missing a bunch of players, obviously due to the uh, whole. Um, COVID safety protocols uh, and they've been on a rough patch do you think the Raptors are just suffering from the you know the unfortunate um, impact of COVID and, and the whole safety protocols right now or do you think that they really are falling out of contention I don't think they're falling out of contention and I think it's unfair to say that they're falling out of contention mm-hmm. when so many of their starters have exactly. missed time because of the COVID protocols, and to be fair, they have they have. It's just everyone has to deal with COVID. It's just a fact of life. But uh, yeah, I I do think that this Raptors team is struggling mightily because so many of their starters are missing. Like, wasn't it one of their their game against the Pistons where they 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 were missing like like five starters? Mm-hmm. Like they were six. They were so shorthanded that night. And the fact that they even got a hundred points is is incredible. Yeah, I think the last three or four games, I'm pretty sure the last three, 
at least. Uh, they were missing Siakam, Van Vliet, um, Ananobi, and uh, I mean that's three starters right there. So, and and to be out for three game a three game stretch with three three year starters is that's tough. That is tough, and I think all eyes are now on you know. Norman Powell, shout out Norman Powell. He's stepped it up big time. Like we, we'll talk more about him um, probably next week because the trade deadline is approaching, um, and he's a hot topic right now. But he has stepped it up for the Raptors. He is playing like, like really, really good. Um, and obviously on Kyle Lowry, lots of spotlight on him. But sometimes you just gotta you just gotta look and say, you know, it really this is a depleted lineup and. An, and depleted in ways that are out of their hands too, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, exactly, like yeah. you said, it's unfair to say that they're out of contention. Um, but again, at the same time, they are starting. It, it's it's not their fault, and that's the sucky part. But what sucks is that they are slowly slipping in the standings, and uh, mm-hmm. you know we're going to the second half. We, the second half of the season has started now, and it's only going to get harder from here to bounce back. Hmm. I will say this. I'll be more concerned if once all the players get back and are up to speed, they continue to struggle. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much the, the only thing Raptors fans can hope for is that the players get fully healthy, they're able to return, they're able to get uh, back up to, to pace, uh, and then they can get start, try to start a, start a run again. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, it's, it's definitely been frustrating to watch them... Uh, have to scrape the bottom of the barrel from their bench. And they've had to even call up a bunch of players from the Raptors 905 just to get through the, the COVID uh, outbreak that's uh, hurt the team pretty badly. Like, it's unfortunate. But yes, like I was saying earlier, it's the fact of life. You have to deal with it. But uh, if this Raptors team is as good as people think they are, when they come back, they'll start to improve. Mm-hmm. Oh, for that, sure. And I mean, it's their players. Yeah, and... I was going to say the East is still as tight as can be. They are the Raptors sit in ninth right now, but they're tied with Atlanta. Who's in eighth with the exact same record as them. Um, it's just a matter of literally a couple wins and they're back in a playoff spot. Um, and they have an opportunity tomorrow. They're, they're facing the Charlotte Hornets um, and the Charlotte Hornets are sitting seventh. So if, if they can get a win against the Hornets, that already is kind of giving that extra um, jump on the competition. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know who I want to give a big shout out to? I, I know we've mentioned, I think we mentioned his name in previous episodes, but I think he definitely deserves one now. Wu- Utah Wat- Watanabe. Watanabe. Yeah. Watanabe. Absolutely insane how big of a, of a role he's had to be in just because of all the injury, all the COVID protocols. But he's really, he's really started to improve his game a lot this season. I think he's a player that uh, could be on this Raptors team for many, many years as a defensive uh, presence. And he's only getting better, so it's just awesome to see him uh, him step up his game uh, these last couple of weeks. Oh, for sure, for sure, um, he has been great. And, and fun fact, I think I saw that. Uh, I think it's reported that he has the highest selling jersey in Japan, which is awesome because I'm sure uh, he's very popular there, and it's great to see that, which is is awesome. And yeah, he's been playing great. I, I think from the when when we first signed him, when when the Raptors first signed him. Um, he really stepped his game up to become a, a you know, a, a, a regular guy on the team. Um, and, uh, I know everyone, a lot of NBA fans just know him because of, uh, he got dunked on by Anthony <laughs> Edwards in that, 
I'll admit it was a he it was a good good dunk by Anthony Edwards. Um and possibly dunk of the year, but uh Watanabe has been playing great. Um great piece there for a great pickup again by Masai. It's crazy to me because when uh Watanabe was originally signed, I don't think they were thinking he would uh be a starter or at least be playing meaningful uh, minutes for the Raptors team because they signed Aaron Baines potentially be that guy memes aside they 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 thought that aaron baines could provide something it's pretty clear that uh watanabe has been uh has taken the the reins and Mm. run with it and he it's well deserved and i think he could be part of the team for a long time yeah oh for sure let's just call him yuda our boy yuda yuda (laughs) (laughs) that's their boy um yeah and then before we go into the nba mid-season awards i just want to talk to you about uh Kyle Lowry, because there's been a lot of talk about him. The trade deadline is coming up. We've talked a lot about him already this this season on this podcast. Um, so again, if if you want to go more in depth about what we think on about you know should the Raptors trade him, you know should the Raptors well happen with Lowry, you could you could listen in our even probably the last couple of weeks podcast. But um, basically. He's been denying all the rumors, you know, there's rumors that his house sold, there's that that's kind of adding fuel to the fire that he might leave, or did the Raptors trade him? But I, I believe Michael Grange of Sportsnet actually reported that the Raptors are not going to trade him, so, you know, you know, you could all breathe a, a sigh of relief. Um, but I'm going to ask you, like, uh, oh, actually, I was going to, I was going to mainly touch on this. He did say that he would love to retire as a Raptor. He wants to retire as a Raptor, but he mentioned even if it's a one-day contract, whatever the situation is. So, obviously, he loves Toronto. He loves the Raptors. Um, but do you think leaving is still a possibility, probably in the off season? It's possible, but it really just depends on what, what direction the Raptors want to go. But if Kyle Lowry's words uh, are true, and we like to think that he what he's saying is uh, accurate, then uh, he will find a way to end his career as a Toronto Raptor, whether that be playing out the end of his uh, days uh, wearing the red and uh, black or playing somewhere else, coming back to Toronto, signing a one-day contract and retiring as a Raptor. I think that uh, is, it's definitely possible that he will finish his career in Toronto just as much as it's possible that they trade him away for something to try and build towards the future. Mm-hmm. Again, it just all depends on what direction the Raptors want to take. I, I, I know it's a cop-out answer, but uh, that's really the only answer I can think of that uh, is the most appropriate. Yeah. I'm going to say, like, on, if you want our thoughts on, you know, the pros and cons of trading Lowry, uh, we talked about that in earlier episodes. But for me, it, it looks like they're keeping him. Like, like it was reported that the Raptors are keeping him, which is great, um, at least till the end of the season. I'll, I'll say this, any Raptors fans listening, just be prepared if he does leave in the offseason. Um quick pros and cons about the Raptors, the whole thing, the whole situation. The Raptors could obviously resign him, but I, we know that he is, he is very wanted in a, in a, uh, by a, by a bunch of teams when uh free agency hits, like even just for trade interest, what the Clippers want him, the, the Sixers want him, you know, I bet the heat would love him too. Um, but the Raptors, um, do they really want to compete with those contending teams who are ready to throw bags of money at the uh, at Kyle Lowry? Um, 
when they kind of might have to shift their focus towards a rebuild, saving that money, you know, Mm -hmm. those decisions come into play. So I wouldn't be surprised if he leaves. And like he said, he'd love to retire as a Raptor, be it wherever he ends his, his playing time um, on the court. He'd love to sign, you know, a one day contract, you know, for tradition's sake. Um, But yeah, we'll see. But either way, I think Raptors are going to keep him this season. They're going to try to make a playoff run, and I like how he puts it. It takes it a day at a time, and let's just worry about that later. But, yeah, I think I think, I think think it is looking like he might leave, um, and I'll, I'll say keep keep be prepared for that situation as well because it is a possibility, or at least it seems like it is a, a real possibility. But, again, it's that's fine too. A, it's definitely a possibility, and I'm not discrediting that. I still think that uh... – you have to be prepared for Kyle Lowry uh, getting traded at some point. But I also think that there's a strong chance that he wants to ride this out to the very end. Mm-hmm. All of, Kyle Lowry, the player that he's become, the man that he's become, all happened while he was a Toronto Raptor. Mm-hmm. That did not happen in Houston. That did not happen in Memphis. It happened in Canada. So I think that has to be considered as well. It, it just, again, it depends on what direction the Raptors want to take. But I'm with you there. It's definitely a possibility. You can't just uh, think, oh, sunshine and roses. Kyle Lowry is going to stay in Toronto forever. He's going to move his house here. He's going to build it. He's going to become GM. It's going to be great. He, realistically speaking, that possibility is always going to be on the table. And as long as uh, there's still the rumblings and they haven't gone away yet, I think uh, Raptors fans need to be prepared for that. I'll say, would you also be cool? Would you be okay with like a trade or like, um even leaving in free agency more of more so of kind of the raptors you know doing him like kind of showing a favor to him him saying you know i'm old now like i still want to compete i want to i want to try winning another contender and the raptors saying you know we're not really on the level um we'll send you to a contender and it's kind of a mutual parting there do you think that would you be okay with something like that too him departing in free agency hmm you know I feel a little bit more hesitant on that only because, uh, you know, when it comes to uh, free agency, you just lose a player for nothing. When you trade away a player, you get something back in return. But then fans will will be quick to critique the move. It's like, oh, that's all it took for all that years of service for Kyle Lowry? That's it? And I understand that. That's definitely frustrating, but... If you're trying to continue to build towards something in the future, and the Raptors are going to try and be competitive for as long as they possibly can, so long as Siakam and Van Fleet are around, then isn't it worth considering looking at something and trying to get something out of Kyle Lowry if that's the direction you want to mm-hmm. go? Mm-hmm. And yeah, like like I said, even sometimes it's seen as a favor in the sense that, um, you know, the Raptors, uh, Kyle Lowry did so much for the Raptors. Uh, maybe it would be nice to see him go to a, a contender where he can win something legitimately again, you know, a, a team that's actually in the in contention for the uh, championship. That would be nice too. Exactly, yeah. Uh, obviously, like I said, I don't know which direction they take. I'd Obviously, like a lot of Raps fans, I'd rather see him uh, play it out to the very end, but I wouldn't be surprised if uh, they decide to move him mm-hmm. or March, he, he leaves. Yep, March 25th deadline for uh, the trade deadline is quickly approaching and we'll see. I'm pretty sure they're not going to trade him as it was reported. Um, But we'll see the rest of the season. Um, 
So let's go into the NBA midseason awards um, that we are going to talk about. We'll save MVP for last as well. So I guess we'll start with uh, Defensive Player of the Year. And might I say, I feel like the NBA uh, midseason awards are a little more clear right now than uh, than we, we saw in hockey. But uh, well, yeah, we'll go with this. Uh, who do you have for uh, Defensive Player of the Year? Ooh, that's uh, pretty interesting. Uh, I still think it's Rudy Gobert. Rudy mm-hmm. Gobert has been uh, something else this season. Uh, always been a great defensive player, even uh, back to last season, obviously before uh, the COVID situation happened. By the way, it's been one year since yes. COVID was just officially a pandemic. I, I wanted to shout that out in the, be- in the beginning of the episode. I totally forgot. But today is uh, March 12th, and that is one year... Well, yesterday, March 11th, was one year to the day when the NBA shut down. And today was one year to the day when everything else shut down. And I mean everything. All other sports leagues and then so quickly everything, like the the whole world. (laughs) Crazy to think how much has changed in the years since. And yeah, Rudy Gobert was publicly ridiculed and shamed for being the poster boy for the COVID pandemic. Although, to be fair... That pandemic was probably going to happen anyway. It was probably things were probably going to get shut down when we're looking yeah. back in hindsight. Yeah, when we look it at how so quickly ha- how quickly things were spreading um, at that time, like it it it, it jumped up and the spread jumped up in like a matter of a couple of weeks from that day. So yeah, uh, it was unfortunate, but yeah, you're right. It would have most likely shut down eventually. Yeah. So when you consider that, and just consider where he is now as a player. Yeah, the Jazz probably, people thought the Jazz were going to implode, but they didn't. I think they're stronger than ever. And mm-hmm. uh, Donovan uh, Mitchell's been playing well, but I think the real story is uh, Rudy Gobert, again, being one of the best defensive players in the NBA. And I know we went on a little bit of a tangent there, uh, just about uh, him touching all the masks, uh, the, uh, all the microphones. But yeah, Rudy Gobert, great defensive player. I think it's his award to lose. I'm going with you as well. Uh, Rudy Gobert is my choice. I think it's very close. This one actually very close between two players. Um, ben Simmons as well. I'd say, I'd say on the other on the other end. Um, yeah. And I I think they've been playing so amazingly well. Like, and let's not forget they're the two best teams uh, in their they're the they're the best teams in in both the division. I mean the both conferences, the East and the West. Um, and they're, they're literally that for a reason. You got, um, you know, you got these guys playing amazing defense you got these guys that can also contribute it uh contribute offensively and they've stepped up their game so much and rudy gobert though i think he's just had that edge i mean we've seen utah play like um like they blew their competition out of the water and with a hard schedule they had one of the hardest schedules in the first half and they dominated it and they'll probably just dominate this their the easier second half even even more now um mm-hmm. And I think it's no doubt a huge, huge uh, uh, factor. A huge, huge part is because of uh, Rudy Gobert. So I have him for Defensive Player of the Year. All right, let's move on to the next one. All right, we got Rookie of the Year. I think this one's <laughs> unanimous. Uh, I mean, I'm, I, I got Lamelo Ball. I've been a fan of him. Like I've been, I've been following him years, like many of, of everyone. But I really thought he'd he'd be great. Um, and literally, he he blew my expectations out of the water. Mm-hmm. I thought he'd like. I thought he'd be better than Lonzo. I thought he'd um, eventually be like a superstar. I was for sure he'd eventually be a superstar, just the way he played before. 
Um, but I thought it would take a couple of years. I thought he'd have like, you know, a regular, pretty regular rookie season. But man, he's playing like a top 15, maybe even top 10 point guard this season uh, as a starter. As a starter, his numbers, his numbers immediately jumped. He was already playing well, you know, coming off the bench and it immediately jumped up uh, when he uh, became a starter. And he's doing this as a 19-year-old too. So yeah. people forget that. He's 19 and he's yeah. doing all that. He's So he's, he's leading... I don't even know the last time this happened, but he's in, in a rookie class, but he's leading all rookies in points, points per game, assists per game, rebounds per game, and steals. And he's fourth. Speaking about steals, he's fourth in the entire NBA in steals. And again, I hate, I hate to repeat myself here, but I just need to emphasize the fact that he's 19. He's doing all this as a teenager. Yeah, I agree with you, man. He is the uh, my pick for the rookie of the year. Although... Although, I would like we should give uh, Tyrese Halliburton a mm-hmm. shout out because he's been playing excellent too. Sacramento's uh, probably Sacramento's best player, but yeah, no, it's just yeah we got we got to shout him out. Like he's been playing well, he's been balling as well. Oh yeah, Tyrese Halliburton uh, has been playing well. Uh, quickly, Manuel quickly uh, has been playing well. It's just the, the the rookie class is is really good this uh, this season. It's just yeah, I think. Yeah, Lamelo Ball. He's so, uh, let's, like Lamelo Ball is just an interesting topic to talk about. Like, uh, there's so many things you could talk about. Um, just how good he is and how he blown everyone's expectations out of the water. I feel like, you know, when we when we were talking about the draft, like going going back to like what November when the draft was coming around, we did a a mock draft. Do you remember? And the big thing was there's a big question mark on Lamelo Ball was because, um, you know, he shows such potential but it was like raw potential and you know do you is it is he a safe pick to go first overall or is he you know do you hold off till later he went third overall but if anything it's proved that that raw talent you you follow that raw talent um and it's it's because he i honestly think it's not only because he played you know he was the younger brother of uh Lonzo Ball and also LiAngelo and he you know he picked up a lot of things there but he mm-hmm. played overseas in Australia as an 18-year-old where his peers were playing just college uh, basketball. He And he played professionally at 16, 17. He's been playing with adults in professional leagues, right? Yeah. And if anything, I think this maybe makes, you know, players think about, oh, do I go, like, overseas? Like, is college the way? And I know that's been a big discussion, but I think LaMelo Ball is just fueling that discussion even more. Like no doubt he's he has such confidence um this season like his confidence is crazy his his confidence is like Lonzo Lonzo just his a big issue Lonzo had was it looked like he wasn't very confident LaMelo looks like he's like he's like he looks like he 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 has a confidence to fit in with everyone else even the other star players like he doesn't show any ounce of you know no confidence and I think it's because he's played with uh, pros before. Here's my question. Do the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves regret drafting Anthony Edwards first overall? I'm I know just, it's early. I know it's super it's early. early. But... It's too early to say that right now. <laughs> like even I know I see, I've seen Timberwolves fans. I've seen uh, Warriors fans show their regret. I don't think any of those teams have to regret. I don't think any of their fans need to regret anything. I think um, honestly, I think LaMelo Ball, uh, it, it's actually good that he didn't go first or second because I think he fell into the perfect situation. Um, 
Charlotte, and I think Charlotte has the perfect opportunity with LaMelo Ball. I think, um, like, with Minnesota and um, with Golden State, they already have their star point guards. He would have never, you know, had the chance to be incorporated into their system like that. Minnesota has a lot of uh, shaky, uh, a lot of shaky issues internally uh, right now that they're just trying to fix uh, their lineups. You know, they're trying to figure things out there. I don't think he would have gotten really the chance with the Warriors. I think they would have, if anything, they would have tried to trade him or, or something, you know, to contend right now, right? Charlotte Hornets, a team that really hasn't been getting any looks the last few seasons or for the, most of their franchise history, and they've landed a blockbuster player who is literally showing out and who has looking like the potential to be a superstar really, really quickly. So I think it's the perfect connection there. I agree. Yeah, Wiseman being on Golden State was was great fit for uh, them. They needed a guy like uh, Wiseman, so I don't think they regret it. I'm just saying Edwards, considering that it was so wide open the discussion, Wiseman going, uh, Anthony Edwards going uh, first, and seeing how Lamelo Ball's been playing in his first year, you know that's why I'm saying like maybe there's a little, a little bit of a <laughs> maybe yeah, of... oh yeah for sure. Um, but yeah, in terms of that, we'll just have to see. But Lamelo Ball looks like a, a star already probably going to be a superstar um he's it shout out the charlotte hornets they're in a playoff spot no doubt because lamella ball uh he's a big fat he's been a big factor he's been he's really his because we know his play style is like so good with playmaking they've completely changed their uh style anyways i'm just gonna wrap with the rookie of the year thing it's lamella ball we could talk about him on a different podcast he's this is great <laughs> We think we should talk about him uh, separately on a different podcast. Uh, there's so much more we could discuss about his season. But yeah. We promise, guys, we will, we will dedicate it, more Yeah, it gets deep because then you think about what this means for um, upcoming draft classes and, and, and players who, you know, do they want to go college? It, just, it, it builds up a lot of cool uh, cool topics there. Anyway, exactly. <laughs> um, next we got uh, six man of the year. Um, I'll go first. I think uh, this one is pretty straightforward. I honestly can't think of anyone else. Who's been playing uh, as great? Uh, Jordan Clarkson. I got Jordan Clarkson. He's just Ooh. been having a, a great season. Um, honestly, uh, with the Jazz, and as we know, again, the Jazz are the best team in the league. They've been dominating, and like they're they're pretty much set from top to bottom of their lineup, including the six men, and that's no doubt um, because of Jordan Clarkson. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. Jordan Clarkson is uh, in a very like he's probably one of the favorites to win the the sixth man of the year but you know who else is probably one of the favorites to win the sixth man of the year who chris boucher i i had a feeling you're gonna pick chris boucher <laughs> I was, I, I was i'm with you there no i'm with you there chris boucher i think it's it's the raptors definitely kind of eased into uh giving him more and more time and he's been he's been consistent now it, it, he's just been kind of eased into it uh, i picked jordan clarkson because he's for right from the get-go, you know, he's been showing showing out, and the Jazz, obviously, is, are the best team. But good pick. Honestly, you could go either or on this one. I think Jackson, be Clarkson, Jordan Clarkson, because he's just played so well as the first guy off the bench for uh, the Utah Jazz, and the Utah Jazz, like you said, are the best team in basketball right now. He definitely is worthy of that conversation. But I guess it just really just depends on... Uh, what, how you view the awards? Do you view just, just pure offensive abilities or just pure all-around game? 
Mm-hmm. If you, if it's pure all around game, I think I might quick lean with uh, Chris Boucher. And no, this is not me being biased. Although I might have some bias. No, good pick there. Good pick. Um, I guess we'll go now into uh, most improved player. So you can go first. Uh, ooh, this is interesting. This is an interesting conversation. To be honest with you, uh, maybe Jalen Brown. Yeah, Jalen Brown's definitely a good think, uh, choice. Yeah, he's definitely uh, improved a lot from the past year. Raptors fans know him very well because uh, he was a big. Uh, he was one of the biggest factors in uh, why the Raptors uh, ended up losing that series last year. Although. We, we kind of know it wasn't exactly him doing all the the damage. But yes, he's been playing a lot better this year than last year. I think that's uh, how the award works, right? Mm-hmm. No, yeah, Jalen Brown, <laughs> this season, first time, first time uh, all-star. Uh, he really stepped his game up. Him and Jason Tatum are doing their thing. Um, even Jeremy Grant. I'm going to shout out Jeremy Grant. And also Chris Boucher. Chris Boucher is... Uh, Definitely, we've talked about this before. He's definitely in the conversation for most improved player. My choice, though, uh, I'm going to go with Julius Randle. Uh, Good choice. A lot of choices, uh, a lot of factors there. Um, he's just upped his play, like, so much. Like, jumped into an all-star. Uh, he, he is an all-star this season, well-deserving. And, I mean, that Knicks team, that Knicks team are... The, the Knicks are a good team this, this year. And who would have thought we would have ever been saying that on this podcast? The Knicks are good yeah. this season, and a huge part of it is because of Julius Randle, who is an all-star, and he literally just literally wowed everyone by just the steps he's taken this season. Absolutely. No one expected the Knicks to be at 507th place in the Eastern Conference. Bravo. Bravo. <laughs> yeah, I'm just anyway, no. I'm looking for his uh, – keep going. I'm looking for his uh, stats right now. Yeah. No, off. of course. You definitely make a great point with Julius Randle. Uh, the Knicks have been playing a lot better than they have in years past. Julius Randle, fully healthy now. He is their best full- player. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Definitely their best player. And uh, I think a lot of Knicks fans and fans of other teams were clowning the signing of Julius Randle when you consider that everyone thought they were going to get pretty much everybody. Like Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving were connected to the Knicks for some reason, and they both went to Brooklyn. And yet, even in spite of all that, Julius Randle has uh, quietly been improving steadily in uh, Manhattan. So I definitely agree with you that he's deserving of the award. But Jalen Brown, I think, gets the edge because Mm -hmm. he is getting MVP uh, love. He is not the favorite to win the MVP award, which we'll get into in just a minute. But yes, he's definitely in that conversation now. And I think... If even if he doesn't win the MVP, he's gonna win the MIP in my eyes, at least. Good choice, good choice. And with that, we'll go into the MVP, which is the last award we'll do. And uh, yeah, that is the most valuable player for the NBA. And uh, honestly, it's getting. I feel like every day, like it's getting closer and closer to like the the, the race is getting closer and closer by a number of different people, uh, a d- number of different players. But right now, I'm gonna go with Joel Joel Embiid because he has been playing lights out. Um, the Sixers are in first. Um, and he, uh, let me get his stats. I'm just pulling up his stats here. But I'm just going to name off, like, you know, there are, the, the race is really close, I think, with Embiid, 
LeBron, um, James Harden, um, even Steph Curry, uh, Jokic, and Giannis. Like, it's really close this season. But I think Joel Embiid has been standing tall all season, pretty much. Um, he's currently averaging 30, uh, 30 points, uh, 11.6 rebounds. And, uh, yeah, like, oh, his shooting. His shooting has been off the charts. Uh, let me get his... Mm-hmm. Let me, I'm just trying to find his uh, shooting percentage here. Uh, you go ahead with your pick while I find that. I definitely think that he is uh, a worthy candidate of the MVP award. Although part of me is a little bit skeptical now because he did exit tonight's game mm-hmm. with, a, with a left knee injury. He's going to get an MRI either tonight or tomorrow. Could and who knows how long it. he's... Yep. Yeah, and I think that that's why I'm a little hesitant to pick him. If he stays healthy, then yes, he's definitely one of the favorites. And if he misses any significant amount of time, then the guy who's currently in second for the MVP award is probably going to win it, and that is our man, Nikolai Jokic of the Denver Nuggets, who has been playing (laughs) unreal this year. Unreal. Yeah, you know, (laughs) Jokic has been playing amazing. Want to know something? Everyone was talking about Jamal Murray last year in the playoffs, rightfully so. But Jokic is the reason why the Nuggets were able to get where they were to be on the doorstep of the NBA Finals. But then, of course, to get slapped around by the LA Lakers, of course, because everyone, no one was going to beat that Lakers team last year. But they were right there. Um, they were right there, and they could very easily make it back to the Western Conference Finals, possibly even the NBA Finals. And Jokic is going to be a big part of that re- if they're able to make it there. So he definitely is my pick for the MVP. But we got a shout out to LeBron, uh, Damian Lillard, who's been unreal, and of course Luka Doncic. Mm-hmm. I feel like yeah, like this this season's MVP race has included a number of different players. Like I said, even Giannis, Steph Curry, James Harden. It's it's all really really close. Um, and I like your pick for uh, Jokic. He has the Joker. He's been playing so well this season and we've known him i mean the last two seasons he's been an mvp um candidate uh an mvp caliber player for for the last couple seasons but this season yeah he is playing he makes it look easy <laughs> just his playmaking style have we ever seen it like uh, we have like before but like he just his play style like plays like a guard almost like it's just crazy good um it's so good but yeah, um, my pick is Embiid, and and yeah, he's just playing great, and we'll just have to see. We'll have to see. Up to this point, Embiid is my choice. Like you said, we don't know if an injury could uh, affect the rest of his campaign. But um, up to this point, second half, uh, up to the fir- like the end of the first half of the season, um, those are our picks. I want to just point out something before we move on. Uh, Jokic is currently second in the NBA in triple doubles. So Mr. Triple Double Jr. Mm-hmm. <laughs> man, as a big man, that's crazy. Oh yeah. There, there's another, there's another argument to why he's the MVP. Crazy. That's amazing. And he's a great guy. <laughs> but, uh, Dare yeah. I say a fun guy, a fun, a fun guy. Um, but those are our, uh, mid season awards for the NBA. Those are our choices. And, uh, yeah, I think we'll wrap up the, uh, discussion there. Uh, we do want to shout out 
the Blue Jays, the Blue Jays have started spring training. Spring training has started um, for baseball. Um, you know, so that means baseball is right around the corner. Let us know if you want more Blue Jays uh, content. We we definitely we definitely want to talk more Blue Jays and get some cool guests on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. We've had a few great Blue Jays guests in the past, and I think we're going to try and get them back on again and possibly some more in the near future. Uh, the big thing, obviously, uh, this offseason was, of course, the George Springer contract, and mm-hmm. that was broken by Brandon Kuhn on Twitter. No one expected that. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, uh, yeah, we'll definitely be talking a lot more about the Blue Jays. Summer is coming this time. The uh, the uh, baseball season starting on time, so it's going to be really interesting, and we'll have all three sports to talk about at the same time once again. So I just wanted to shout that out, and really not a lot to talk about the Blue Jays yet, but we will mm-hmm. talk about them a lot once the season starts shortly around the corner. Um, and yeah, um, I guess we'll wrap things up. Michael, you want to do the uh, the Twitter shoutouts? Shoutouts. Absolutely. Before we do go though, I just want to shout out uh, Vladdy who's uh, lost a little bit of weight this mm-hmm. uh, off season. He's, he look, he's looking like he's still cracking bombs. So I'm looking forward to him finally breaking out as a power, as a power hitter. So just, that's all I wanted to say. But anyway, the Twitters, you can follow us on Twitter. Mine is at the Leafs. I am. our Twitter page is at behind the net pod. And, and I believe Matthews mm-hmm. is Matt. Yeah, go ahead. Matt underscore Rodrigo underscore. I had to get the two underscores in there because uh, Twitter already said someone had my name. <laughs> How many other Matt Rodrigos are there? I don't know. Apparently, even at one underscore was taken, so I had to add two. It's it's fine. Actually, you know it's funny. You know it's funny. My name, my full name is is super common. I did not realize this. If you search on Twitter. And you see, you search my name. Like there's, it's so, there's so much more people than I expected. Like how? <laughs> that, I mean, I guess that's just how it is. Um, I mean, Hey, at least you don't have to use your name. Like you don't use your name as your username. The Leafs IMO. I always thought that was a good, that was a good uh, username. I'm, I'm glad uh that name is uh, stuck with me. Uh, I've always contemplated changing it, but uh, <laughs> every, every time I consider it, it is, yeah. That's it's essentially, you know, it's like down goes brown. Like everyone knows him by that. So I, yeah, I guess I gotta keep it at this point. <laughs> oh yeah, um, but yeah, we'll wrap it up there. Until next week, hopefully, a lot more uh, news will be happening in sports, and uh, yeah, we'll stay tuned for that. So uh, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you all next week. We're sad about Daft Punk still. <laughs> <laughs>